que en el amor no he tenido suerte All right, all right, all right. Hello, everyone. My name is Diamond Rivera, and we are back at it with the live discussions with Diamond podcast. And today's special guest we have is going to be a fun one. But before we get started, just letting you know that this episode will be featured on Spotify. We're also available on Facebook and YouTube and other streaming platforms. And honestly, tonight's guest, people, I'm really excited for here, me in New York, we're going all the way to the California area, Los Angeles specifically. And we have here all the way from Bachatopia, representing Los Angeles, the man, the myth, the legend, Mr. Vince Torres. What's up? What up? What is up? How was that introduction for you? Was that good enough? Yeah, that was that. It, it, it was good. It was good. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it could be great, but it was good. But, it you know... <laughs> But first of all, man, Vince, thank you again uh, for coming on to this platform. As we've talked privately, I've seen your work for so many years and realizing as we talked as well that kind of our history coincided many, many years ago. But oh. seeing how much you've grown and how much you've really transitioned and reinvented yourself over the years, it is a pleasure to have you on this podcast. It is, the pl it is a pleasure to be here, man. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. I mean, for me as well, uh, what I do with this platform here is us as artists, us as creatives, people see what we do publicly in the public eye on social media, but also I feel these same people that appreciate what we do in the public eye also should have an understanding of who we are as people, as human beings. You know, you're not just DJ Invincible all the time. Am I correct? Absolutely not. <laughs> and of course... <laughs> Of course, here we got to give a big shout out to the one and only DJ Amesqua saying AL Beans. Yeah, and, and people who it's because people, some people with accents <laughs> my name correctly. So instead of Vince, they say Beans. <laughs> and, you know. Oh, man, man. But Vince, you know, my thing too is realizing that I would say definitely in the California area, LA specifically. It being kind of the glitz and glam, as they say, Hollywood, one thing I appreciate on your end is the events you've been a part of, the events you've created, um, that atmosphere, that ambiance is something different. But also, I have to give a big shout out to the one and only Robert Sanchez, Robert Sanchez oh, wow. Media, because oh, again, we, we realize with visuals and over time, those matter. Those give the people who want to attend your events that like, all right, I got to go. But before we get started into really understanding who you were before then, my number one question to you is, how have you been? Like, how has things been for you in 2022 thus far? Blessed. Definitely a blessing for sure. The work has come um, from all over the place. And I'll for sure never take it for granted. Um, ne never did. But even more, more so now than ever, because 2020 was just... We all know it was just a year of just, yeah. you know, I don't know if you can cuss on here, but it's no, just, oh, you can say whatever you want on here. It was shit. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, it's like, and you know, it, it's been nothing but a blessing to see people again, like to be able to hang out and work and play music for people and not just be, you know, on the live stream playing for people like we used to do, remember? So, yeah, man. I mean, hey, it, and listen, it's, it's people like you that, 
while we were especially going through that initial stage of the, of the pandemic, there were artists like yourselves and I that in a sense of, again, we're keeping the people entertained, but mm -hmm. having people still understand that we're still passionate about the community and want to be there in any capacity. Absolutely. You know, yes. and like you said, uh, 2020 was a shitty year for many of us. I mean, and my question to you right now is, I think we also talked about this privately, is do you feel like there is a new kind of generation of dancers in that L.A. area compared to pre-COVID? I feel like before the pandemic, we started to see a trickle in of a few new generational dancers coming into the scene. Mm -hmm. And those that generation of new dancers was the people that are now listening to Bachata on the radio going, hey, there's clubs of this. And we can go over here and like uh... hear people pass by playing Bachata. So those kind of people started to trickle in. But now that it's 2022 and it's everywhere, now it's become more of like a every day there's new people, new gender, everybody. Everybody's coming in at every single club. It's never the same people anymore. I mean, you're definitely right about that. And I would say is, I think we both can add to that is Bakshata really, and I'm going to say it, I'm a Sacedo to death, but Bakshata has taken over. <laughs> <laughs> you know, don't get me wrong. I love my salsa on one on two, Rueda Casino, everything. Yeah. But I feel like Bakshata, especially because with mainstream music and mainstream artists kind of collaborating over time, over the past 10 years at least, I have seen it, but also Bachata remixes. Oh, yeah. Have been in a, a crucial mark in that transition for people to introduce them into Bachata music. Oh. When you're hearing an Adele, when you're hearing like your top 40s remixed into with Bachata beats under it, it is intriguing. But I mean, for you, do you feel if I ask you, has Bachata taken over? Well, being a DJ, Diamond, um, I'll get killed if I say it has. Um, because I got salsa lovers that I play. Hey, with. yes, totally understand. Yeah, uh, but uh, <laughs> I do feel it has a more. There's more of a ratio of bachata being played around the world more mm -hmm. than salsa. Um, I try to do my best with the salsa. The thing about me is that I'm glad I'm on the platform to say is that I'm not a social salsa DJ. When you DJ at a social mm. play salsa, you better come with it because that's that underground hard shit. You know, the mambo. I don't, I don't, I don't touch that because that we got the Mayimbas for that. We got, we got, we got a lot of other people that are that are keen to knowing what what people want in there. You can't put me in a, in a salsa social room, and because I'm a club salsa DJ, I'll play Mark Anthony or some shit. And <laughs> like, what the hell are you playing? You know what I mean? So when people come to the clubs that go to socials, they'll be like, um, "Hey, can you play? Can you play this song?" Blah blah. And I'm like, "Yeah, sure," but I'll play. Something that's Keith Manuel or something like that. Yeah, okay. But I'm like, that's what I have to play because these people aren't social, like social underground mambo social dancers. I got to play for everybody. So in terms of that, um, Bachata is a lot a bit bigger around all around. And I feel like I just try to keep the balance between both. You know what I mean? Absolutely. I mean, of course, Amesco is saying, so that's him saying Bachata is taking I am sorry. <laughs> He's trying to start trouble already, but even even as we start here, understanding where Bachata has kind of been a major influence in your career, especially my filming career of being hired at many Bachata events. Now we also understand when Bachata wasn't even a thought. Ooh. We remember, and we're, we're going to take it back. 
because of course you've had talks with different interviewers about your past, but kind of us getting a glimpse of it, kind of help us understand who Vince Torres was before DJ Invincible. How did you get your start in this dance world? I started, when we talked privately, we spoke about this, like when the Owl Liquid Silvers and all that. Mm -hmm. I originally got started, I danced ballet ballet flagotico for like 18 Mm. years with my uncle. Then I was introduced to Basa de Oro. So I jumped shit from my uncle's thing to Basa de Oro. And they kind of opened the doors for merengue, salsa, bachata, all that mm-hmm. stuff. So um, as getting into all that, I was like, okay, cool. So then I kind of went my own way. Mm-hmm. Then I met Liquid Silver Productions. And then there was this girl that was on the team. And I was like, damn, she's beautiful. And she was like, I love bachata. And I was like, I got to learn this. She likes it. I got to learn it. Don't know what it is. Sounds like a drink, but I'm going to learn it. <laughs> so I learned it. I learned it and I got more and more into it. And that's when it kind of took over because it was kind of like a let's go out and dance type of thing. Mm-hmm. And it became so overwhelmingly exciting for me to dance it because I could put my own style in it that I kind of started going on my own. And I would kind of just be like, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go out and start dancing. So that took over. That took place. And then it was kind of like, well, I'm going on my own. So seeing all the Christian Oviedos, all the Rogelios, all the, the big time people at the Granada, LA. Yes. in there watching. I'm like, wow, this is crazy. But I have a style too. I'm going to ask. So I go to the DJ booth. Hey, can you play a bachata? <laughs> I remember those times. And it's like. I'm not going to say the DJ's name because he's still around, but okay. he just looked at me like, we don't do that here. It's a salsa club. And that same DJ plays bachata and has bachata notes. Oh, now. wow. Whoever it's you growth. are, you know who you are. And, you know, growth. it's growth. You know, you got to, you got to go with the flow. Right. But it's just, I remember that when you say like, how was it before I became DJ Invincible? It was me sitting at the club like, Hey, there's this place called Stevens. You want to go check it out? What's Stevens? Oh, it's a big salsa night, blah, blah, blah. And Salsa Sunday. So asking pe- asking DJs to play bachatas before I became a DJ was the hardest thing to do. Oh, yeah. Like asking your mom to go out with your friends when your homework wasn't done. Yes. <laughs> wow, wow. That's vivid. Look, like, no. Hell no. We ain't playing that here. You know what I mean? So that's how it started for me. And then, I, and obviously, I got more and more and more and more dancing. And then we can talk about that, you know later but that's how it started it was me like this at the club like wow and and you, you what you spoke of earlier was the granada the granada la honestly for oh, me realizing even in new york with social media it helps so much but realizing like granada la but specifically steven steakhouse yeah steven steakhouse i heard was or is the mecca of kind of where things really were like hitting that's where and, I, those are two places where the places i started so I don't know which came first, but I just remember those were the two hot spots. And so, and a question I have for you before we get into kind of that dancing phase of yours, yeah. what that dancing part of your life really was, going as a as a novice, as we can say, were there any artists to you that when you went to these events that like really caught your eye? Yes, like I uh, like I stated earlier, Christian Oviedo. Mm-hmm. I remember, there was no bachateros around yet, so it was yeah, yeah absolutely. And then there was Rogelio Moreno. There was actually Zonic, DJ Zonic, Luis Aguilar. Okay. He, Santiago Aguilar. He was one of the people I saw. 
And then there was a lot of other ones that kind of that kind of I, I saw and I and I just respected so much. I still respect them, and I see them now, and I'm like, damn, like you guys are you guys are the reason like I'm here. You know what I mean? So there's a lot of love and respect for those people. Um, now the certain ones see me as oh look famous Vince now forgets <laughs> what did I do? I didn't do anything. I just you know. Mm-hmm. And um, but I still love I got I got mad love for all the OGs and I'm calling you OGs because it's true you guys made pat you guys paved the way for people like me if you're listening so I, I appreciate that you know absolutely I mean that that it really is a sign of maturity humility because again before we were doing this there were people before us yeah. that paved that way after that us there's gonna be people doing it as well absolutely sooner or later we will be yeah, the OGs it's gonna be our kids doing it. <laughs> you know, and you're definitely right. And for me, talking to a person like yourself, as we've talked, you know, you going as far back, like you said, even from Outlook with Silver Days, but then you yourself getting into that performing. Wow. So going from just being the person who was in awe of performers to now you being on stage, what were those experiences like for you? Man, um, I remember the first call I ever got to travel somewhere around. Um, I had this one performance I did. Alejandro Ray and I are pretty much the the oh Francisco Vasquez was another one. Yes, Sorry, I forgot about that one, but that's the key one right there. So Francisco Vasquez and all those guys were main heads. We are the we were the new Francisco Vasquez, Christian Oviedo, were Helios because we brought urban style bachata mm. to um uh to L.A. Yeah, remember before it wasn't it wasn't like that. It was just all it was bachata was barely like ooh, it bad. was it was a break song. Go to the bathroom, come back, yeah, get a drink. Yeah, yeah we remember cool. that. You know, so it became one of those things where where I was like, um, uh, we, I I had a performance with one person, which don't ever look up that video because it's just gotcha. amazing. Um, was going, it with a, wait? Was it with a guy? No, it was oh, okay. it was with the girl that got me into dancing bachata. If you type in Vince and Shirley bachata, oh my god! <laughs> See, you just put it you put it out there. I mean, well, I want to because it's, it's a learning experience, you know. Yes. So, so that's how it started, and then from there, it was one of those things where you guys were the first ones to do it in LA, pioneers of urban style bachata. Now, make it, let me make it clear: not the creator of bachata in LA. I'm not saying that. Mm-hmm. I'm saying the pioneer of urban style bachata being in LA like hip-hop doing stuff like that with the you know so doing that for for a few years I've got with this partner named Joe Quinones who I love she's my sister yes. and we got our first call and our first call to go travel somewhere to perform was Singapore wow Singapore called and you know what they asked what Hey, we want to bring you to Singapore. Are you still dancing with that girl that you had that video on YouTube with? And I'm like, damn, that was like, <laughs> no, I have a new partner. Oh, okay. Can you send us a video of you guys dancing? We would love to bring you out. Mm. And, and they brought us out. And that was our first experience of traveling. And it was like, wait, we don't have to pay for a flight? They're gonna pay for us. Oh my! And mind you, mind you, there, there were no times that was like a new thing. But oh, shit, oh. you know I'm. Oh, there it is. There. We, we talk about this one. We talking about. <laughs> oh man. Oh, all right. I, I like the jeans. I like the the belt. I mean, it's just I when it gets to the bachata part, it's just like she's a rag doll. You know, I just, <laughs> it's, just, it's just so much. But yeah, that that was the first experience, and then. 
from there came the second one, which I made the biggest boo-boo, but it was the best boo-boo I could ever make. And that was a place called France. They called me. And they were like, we want to bring you to this event called Kings of Bachata. This is where everything opened up as a, as a performer and teacher and, and um, uh, instructor. Or, yeah, instructor, teacher, performer. So they call me and they go, we want to bring you to France. And I'm like, what? France? And at this point, Joe is doing something else. She's rehearsing. And they're like, yeah, we're going to bring you out, teach us many classes, blah, blah, blah. How much you want? Ready for this? I said, just take us out there. Mm. We want to go. And he, they're like, are you sure? Yeah, yeah, just, just fly us out. I would love to go to France, you yeah. know? So they're like, all right, cool. We'll, we'll book the flight, this and that, send us your info. I go to Joe. I'm like, Joe, guess what? We're going to France. And they're like, she's like, what? For real? And I'm like, yeah, I'm going to go to France. We're going we're gonna to perform. We're going to teach on a big stage. It's going to be crazy. She's like, that's awesome. Remember, she's been in it longer than I have. Oh, so, man. Oh, so, I, I already know what's coming, but please, please keep. Like, <laughs> so, so what's the deal? Like, what are we going to compensate? What, how much is compensation? This and that. I was like, oh, no, there's no compensation. I just told him to fly us out. <laughs> and she's like, what? The what? I'm like, yeah, well, I mean, it's France, you know? So we get in an argument about that. She's like, you're stupid. Why did you do that? I can't believe it. And I'm like, Joe, it's France. She's like, you don't understand. You got to call me for things like this because I know you're new to it, but I've been doing yeah. it for a long time. I've done this. And I should have listened. But let me tell you this, bro. When we went, we took that free trip. Yeah. Performed our asses off. We were there with Troy and Georgette. We were there with a lot of other, uh, we were there with Kimberly Rivera. We were there with a bunch of other people. And when we were all said and done with that event, we flew back. We were like, oh, we didn't get no money. It's all right. Phone calls. We want you back here. We want you mm. back. Blah, blah, blah. And that's where it took. We went to France almost eight times, bro. Because after that one show. See? That that's right there. The opportunities. I have to give a big shout out here to the one and only Johnny William Saravia Escobar here. What's up? Doing some love out here, and he's even saying that Vince is making me go down memory lane when I started touring as a musician. Well, you know, and see, that's right there. Uh, that's really a lesson because you realize even the mistakes you make, the opportunities that can come from that, kind of the naivety wow. of that moment. Yeah. But also realizing, okay, we we got to where we did that destination, we did our job, and then we were rewarded. Like you okay. said, right after, those phone calls kept coming and coming and coming. But it was also something you said you were working at that time alongside like Troy and Georgette. Right. And for me, I'm not going to lie, when it came to Bachata, it Same was book. not, it was not Ataca de la Mana. No, it was Before Troy. that, it was Troy and Georgette that for me, that was my first time ever seeing and because don't get me wrong, there were people before then that did events. Yeah. I get it. But in terms of like actually seeing a class on a tape or a DVD, it was Troy and Georgette. That was the first people I saw was Troy and Georgette. And, and it's interesting you said that. Let me ask you a question. Did you ever go to New Orleans a few years back? I did. That's where I saw you because yeah. I was performing in New Orleans. That's okay. Because you said you and Joe. Yes, yeah. because Troy did an event down there, was working, and I saw I you. We did a Boogaloo performance, I think. Yes, I think I did a routine, but I had my hair colored, just came back from a Pelicans game. It was craziness. But, yes, because I had, like, a shirt 
uh, a colorful shirt because I was in a group called Gifted Souls. That's why I'm like, wait, everything uh, is connecting dots now. Yes, yes. So everything is connecting. But see, as you're talking, it's really also a history and understanding for people who don't know. Because when people who see Bakshata now, they see what they see now. It's wow. more of not understanding of that the events and things that led up to what we can have now. We understand when Bachata was an afterthought. Yeah. If you thought you were getting more than two or three songs, you had to really know this DJ. And it yeah. was probably towards the end of that night. Yeah. And for me, it's really interesting because to see how far Bachata has grown internationally. Yeah. It's amazing. But for you then... Of course, doing that work with Joe Kionis, big shout out to her. For you then, kind of over the years, was Bachata really gaining some attention and steam in the L.A. area? Well, at the beginning, no. Um, we actually, Hondo and I, we started off at a festival and we were like, yo, um, it was Bernard and Sonio's event. Mm -hmm. No. It was Outlook with Silver Summer Splash, one of those. We had asked, there's an empty room right there. I had a big ass book of CDs, bro, <laughs> of all Burnt Bachata's songs. I was like, can we use this room? And they were like, for what? I said, well, because we want to do like a little bachata room. Yeah. And they were like, well, I mean, why? You, there's nobody going to go into the bachata room. It's a salsa event, you know? Mm -hmm. We just try. And they're like, all right, go for it. It was like a it was like a, it was like an instructor room. That's what they taught workshops. So they gave us the opportunity. I took my big ass book of CDs, bam, started playing. People started trickling in. We had that room packed, bro. We had the room packed with Monchi Alexandra and Frank Reyes. And wow. that's it. And Aventura. That was it. That's all we had. And what year would you say would this would this have been? 2010, 11? No. Yeah, 2009, 10. Wow. And see, that that's something that sparks because talking to many people like Rodney Rachata, George Elizondo, Nelson, uh, Nestor from Australia, but many others, realizing 2010 was kind of, I mean, after, of course, Ataka Lemana with Trexteño, but realizing that 2010 period, I felt was that, that blossoming. And yeah. then, especially the commercial aspect, of course, with Aventura and such like that. Like you said, 2010 was kind of that that year because I remember New York when New York Congress had an event and Tigre decided to create a bachata room. And after that, things just kept pushing and pushing and pushing. Exactly. So everybody has their own way. That's true. So then really, of course, like you said, in L.A., coming from where salsa was dominant or is the dominant kind of the focus and genre was like you said, going from that little room right. was the reception. Was there a lot of pushback or people will kind of be like those Sacedos will slowly try to creep into those rooms, I guess. Well, the funny thing, the crazy part is that it kind of, it gained, it gained momentum within a small amount of people. Mm -hmm. So that those amount of people were kind of like, let's keep doing this. It was kind of like the, Prohibition days, like let's keep doing this. Uh, little, little areas, this and that. And then came a man by the name of Jorge Contreras. Jorge yeah. Contreras was like, he was, I want to say, like the um the big, the big tester. He was like, why don't we do a bachata room upstairs? I think I'm getting this right, 
at Stevens, the small room. So main salsa, salsa on the main floor, and then the sauna on the third on the on the second floor. Yes, that's the bathroom room. So that's where it kind of started. And then those people who liked bachata, where they were like, "Oh shoot, okay." Now, mind you, bachata's starting to be top more in this time. Yes. So it becomes this thing where people are like, "I'm gonna go, I wanna go, I wanna go listen, I wanna go here, I wanna go there." Stevens was the place where it's, where it started, mm-hmm. and that's why I call it the place where bachata night started because they would have a bachata night upstairs. It wasn't a bachata night on the main floor yet. So George mm-hmm. it went from that to George saying, I want to try a bachata Wednesday night. And that, when when we heard bachata night, myself, Alejandro Ray, all the bachata, bachata people were like this, a night for ourselves? A, a whole room? No way, we're doing big things, let's yes. go. And then the night came, five people showed up. <laughs> hey, it's a learning experience, but for you then, actually that moment happening, he took a risk. Yes. And when he took that risk, he, I'm talking about George here, he took that risk for maybe a few months. There was hardly anybody showing up. But the consistency brought people to come, more and more people, more and more people. And up until then, it just became, it grew and it grew and it grew. And I was part of, I was part of it too, like showing up every Wednesday. Wednesday was a spot. Wednesday was a spot. And it, it started off in a little in a little restaurant area. And we would all get together like, hey, you know, this is where a lot of us friends um, met. And now we're kind of like, what happened to the scene? Where's everybody at? Because we all started in a small little community mm-hmm. and it's grown. So that's what it was. It was a whole buildup into what it is known now, which is shout out to DJ So Nasty who runs uh, Bachata Wednesday. So pretty much, excuse me, um, George pretty much opened and the opportunity up at Stevens, made a bachata night, and now we felt, okay, well, let's do more bachata nights. So that's yeah. pretty much where it, where, it, where it lifted off from. Okay, so then kind of going from being the novice, slowly getting, of course, into the performing aspect, then seeing that growth of bachata growing in the L.A. area, but the California area, but also abroad, yeah. then what was the transition like then to becoming a DJ? So I was going to all these events, and I had a laptop, and I'm like, I got good music. I love bachata. Like, I would buy albums. I would do all this stuff. And I was like, you know what? The first time I ever DJed, um, I was like, I need salsa music because all I have is bachata. Yeah. And I was like, you know what? So I went to my really good friend, Edder, Edder Avila, who runs Entourage. Shout out to Entourage. He gave me a book of CDs with salsa music on it. From that moment when he gave me those book of CDs, I put that and that bachata music, and I was like, let me play this stuff. Mind you, there's I didn't have an Apple laptop or nothing, so it was CDs. So half the CD set that he gave me was scratched. <laughs> I still, still, you know, there was no Shazam, I think, at the time. Ooh. I was like, yo, Edder, what's the name of that song? I, I need it. It has cowbell, and I need that song. And then the bachatas, I started playing the bachatas. I'm like, dude, I could do this. Yeah, do this, and that's kind of where I was like, okay, let me try it, let me just try it, and then I tried it in the IE, which is the Inland Empire. Yes, that's where I started my first um, DJ DJ gig. And what year would that be? That was about 2012, 2013. Mm. 
Wow. And it's, the reason I ask these years because you realize it's a timeline. Timeline, yeah, for it's sure. It's a gradual thing, and I think as well, realizing a person like yourself that has been in it in this industry for so long has wow. had that overall experience or overall success, hometown, but then also abroad. Yeah. That's something that you can have a testament to. But then seeing how much Bachata has just, just like. The reach of it is endless. And then you have the artists like Bad Bunny, the Drakes, the Ushers, now realizing when you start getting that that Latin audience. Chris Brown, too. Chris Brown. I mean, like, the thing is, I and, and I have to say is that, in my opinion, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I grew up as a Salcedo. But I realized with Bachata, the biggest thing was not just the music, but was the um, the ability to learn. More people were like, I can learn bachata faster than I can learn salsa. Yeah. It doesn't take as much effort. Yeah. And for you, did you kind of notice that of people saying like. I think to be honest, that's the reason why I jumped in the bachata lane because I was like, damn, salsa requires so much connection and constant turns and everything. But that's how I started off. I started off as a salsa like you. Mm -hmm. But then I got it. I jumped up. I jumped onto the bachata train because not that it was. It was um, easier, but I mean, yes, it was easier, but not that's not the reason why I did it. I did it because I could put my own flavor. I could pop. I could I could wave. I could do all these like stops and listen. And I was really good with listening to the music, and so that's where the musicality comes from. Because I was like, there's more hits that I could feel in bachata than salsa. You know what? I think I'm have to go in this direction a little bit. You know what I mean? So then it kind of took off, and now I'm known as bachata, but the prince, no salsa. What? So when I dance salsa, it's like. You did salsa? Um, <laughs> you just I'm, don't know. I'm not the best. I'm not the best on two. I don't dance on two. I mean, I try. Uh, I'm on, I mean, on one is my thing. That's how I learned. Mm -hmm. you know? but, no, and I, I definitely understand that because for me as well, even on the New York side, and many people, they may be upset when I say this, but a lot of your favorite uh, bachata artists were Salsettos before. And a lot of them transitioned because they saw the market of course better and course. whether you believe it or not i can take you down memory lane i can go to youtube and and help people realize is that a lot of the salsettos saw that market of bachata blossoming and went there because in, in my also opinion going from performing to now being behind the scenes working with organizers and promoters the atmosphere in a bachata event I feel is totally different at times, depending even on the city, maybe than a salsa event. The structure is a little, I mean, the structure is primarily the same, but the atmosphere is totally different. Now, I mean, check, check this out. Check this out. Going back to what you just said, sorry to cut you off. I have no, not at all. Not at all. I'm, I'm going to forget if I don't say it. So, what you said right now, the market, mm -hmm. the market, right? So I'm 34. I just turned 34. My birthday was May 15. I thought you were 24, man. You got me. I mean, I say <laughs> sorry. <laughs> the connection of the internet. No, um, the marketing aspect. A lot of these salsettos, these bachateros were salsettos first, but they went for the market, right? Remember when Popeyes came out with the chicken sandwich? Absolutely, and everybody came. After the Popeyes chicken sandwich, there goes KFC. There goes Burger King. There goes McDonald's. There, everyone's doing a spicy chick. Oh, Chick Fil A too. There goes In and Out. I don't know if In and Out did it yet. Not yet. Hell okay, no. not yet. Not yet. They, everyone did it. So it's like everybody jumps on the wagon because it's good for marketing. Not that. Oh, let's copy. 
Well, yeah, but it's a marketing thing. Money, it's revenue. You know what I mean? So when it comes to people, when you say that, that's why I'm not like, oh, look at you. You were, you're look, you're playing all the music that I asked you for back in the day, but now you have your own bachata night, this and that. I say it joking around, but hey, I'm happy for you, bro. I'm glad you can put food in your mouth. I'm glad you can pay for shit, you know? But I feel a little bit responsible for that. Just a Absolutely. little bit. Absolutely. Because you know? I, I work hard. I was broke for so many years, bro, just, just trying to put... I had an old ass laptop and I went to downtown LA and I got this press on Prince thing because I was dense with Prince, right? Oh, yes. Even Carlos here says, you know, every, I remember everyone calling Vince. McCall. I put that, 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 it was like fake diamonds. It was like a, and you press on. on yeah. Shirt. Oh, wow. Wow. I remember I put that. It on the top of my laptop and ironed it on my laptop, bro. Please tell me your laptop worked. So the, 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 the laptop face, the, 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 the top of it, Started to rise. It was oh, heating no. up. Yeah. So <laughs> I worked my ass off to make sure that I had the top music, the best music I had, this and that, blah, blah, blah. And the transition for me was just, it was it was crazy because it was like, damn, I ain't making no money as a DJ. But you know what? I'm getting my name out there. And you know, I'm not a millionaire, but I'm blessed now because of the work I put in. You know what I mean? And I'm, I'm happy. I'm, I'm really happy. And I appreciate that because, to be honest with you, seeing many artists that I knew, what happens is, too, whether it's in sports, uh, whether it's in creative arts, a lot of times there is that pushback from the older generation to the present generation. Yeah. It always happens. And, and realizing is that enough is that people like yourself, I'm you're actually saying this publicly, how you give and you want to give that acknowledgement to the people that paved the way. Absolutely. You know, and, and the thing is realizing... <clears throat> Because I think a, a a big word that has hurt our community for so long is called pride. Yeah. People are so prideful in what they've done or what they want to do that anyone they see else doing it, it's like, whoa, what are you doing? When Because, again, you're a DJ, but there was a DJ before you. There'll be a DJ after you. But it's also, it, it's totally different the way you do it. The way you the way you present yourself, you have an actual platform you've created yourself. Yeah. You didn't say, I saw this person, I'm gonna take literally everything from head to toe and be just like them. Yeah, you've been able to to create your own image. Be me, but also realizing this as well is that while becoming a public face, you are going to have those behind the scenes, the Twitter warriors, as I call them, the keyboard warriors. That will always find a fault. They will always go to an event and find oh, something wrong with it. You know, sure. <laughs> you know, it's it's interesting enough. Carlos uh Vasquez here says, I am not a millionaire, but I am blessed. I'm blessed. He's gonna put that on the show. You see, like I'm come really on. a millionaire, but I'm just blessed. <laughs> see? <laughs> but here is what we gotta give you acknowledgement because man, DJ Amesqua says, I am proud of this guy for real. I am glad to call him a friend and colleague. And again, man, this is this is why I do this platform because I think a lot of us also as artists, we have gone through years and years and years of traveling, teaching, organizing, promoting, but a lot of times we don't get that moment of just like, you know, de decompressing and realizing everything we've done. For sure. Because we're always moving on to the next. So now really my question to you kind of hitting into that present phase is as we talked about as well privately was with COVID. COVID, I, and we've talked and I said, COVID really changed the perception of our community worldwide. Yeah. 
because I believe the same people we saw pre-2020, maybe they're still here, but in a different capacity. But right. also you've seen an influx, like you touched on, of the new generation. And I, and you, we can we can talk about this as well, is I feel that the new generation of dancers coming in are more focused or less focused on training than they are just having fun. Yeah. And and listen, that that works well for a promoter who has a Congress Festival Weekender cool. social. Cool. But then those people who have these companies are sometimes going to lose a lot because it, it's not always them, but it's just how life works. But for you as a promoter and you're, you're watching the community, really, yeah. what is your thought on that? Well, for me, I'm just a one night event. Now, a one night event is very different from a whole weekend event. There's a lot more time, money, and effort spent into doing that than it is doing just one night. Mm-hmm. What I will say is this. In my, night, in my night that I have, I make sure that I have little to no shows. I want to make sure that everyone dances. Because the problem with performances is that, not that they're not great, but if you don't bring anything that's, if you don't bring something that's exciting and entertaining, people don't care. Which is yeah. why people walk through the middle of the dance while people are performing. Which is why people are trying to get their drink and are talking and yelling. Not, not they don't appreciate it, you know, because yes. there's so much of it. So, unless you're going to come out and grab their attention, then that's what I look for. Otherwise, I won't have any 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 performances. Just dance till 3 a.m. and enjoy your time. I want you to forget about everything else and just be in the moment right there. That's for me on that one night event. When it comes to a weekend event that I've only attended, never run. I can't really say much about what goes behind the scenes, this and that. But what I can say is there's a reason why, and I know it's going to be far-fetched. There's a reason why people pay $400 to see a Broadway performance. There's a reason why people pay $900 for a seat to see a this show called like Shin Yun or Shin Lu. Oh, Shin Yun. Shin Yun, yes. I know exactly what you're talking right? about. Right? And why do you pay that? Because you're going to be entertained. Crazy entertainment, right? I'm not saying these shows aren't entertaining. What I'm saying is that we've gone from, let me see what you have. And if it's good, I'll put you on stage. Two, we've gone from that to tell you what, bring all your performers, let them pay $200 and you get on stage, do your thing, bing, bang, boom. And then what happens? Nobody's at the shows. Where's everybody at? Nobody's performing. Where's where's all the audience? This and that. You know why? They come at the end of the show. The lineup. Can you send me the lineup? That's the that's the question. That's the who as the lineup to the performers to the whole freaking audience knowing the lineup. And then now it's like a play. Now you're like, okay, so all right, so now yeah, Malaysian, come on. Okay, yeah, so I'll be upstairs, just message me real quick before they go on the show, right? Yeah, now. let me know when 15 is up, and then I'll go down because it's sad because everybody gets deserves a chance to perform. I I I wanted a chance to perform and I got that chance. But I, I was in the end mark of when you had to show a video or... Audition. Show. You actually had to audition for a spot at a Congress. Now, again, I want to make it very clear. Everyone deserves to perform. Yes. And it's not their fault that this is the world that they've come into, which is now pay your cut, pay your performer fee, and I'll get you in. And you can perform on stage. You know what's great? Your family gets to see you perform, your sister, your brother, everything, right? And that's great. But see, you're you're pulling away from the Congress aspect of it and making it a um, a uh, like a, a recital type thing. 
Yes. You know what I mean? And again, that's not wrong, but it's the wrong place for it because you have people paying almost $300 for a full performance to see shows and they're just kind of sitting there and they're just like, you know, and it sucks because they want to be entertained and these guys on stage are trying to entertain you, but in their eyes are like, this isn't top notch. And it's like, well, damn, they're trying, but that's kind of where we've come into. And I, and I, and I hope, and I wish I kind of see it. I've told a few friends of friends of mine about this. Our scene is kind of like the hip hop scene right now. Mm-hmm. More like little, little this, little that, little this. They come out and they say a few words and they got a hot beat, hot track, yeah. and they say whatever, and then boom, million dollar deal. You know what I mean? So it's the way the world's working right now. I don't think if we do go back to that old way, that'd be great. But if not, it's just the way the world works, and we're gonna have to find a way to go to make it better you know what i mean absolutely man and you know for me then talking to people like yourself that are a public figure whether it's a djing organizing and promoting but like you said you're also attending other events you inadvertently are observing what's happening around you but you see the demographic you see how times have changed and even now in 2022 there are more events than ever than there was 10 plus years ago yeah and but the one thing i can definitely say and i i do agree is the oversaturation of performances because what happens is the the, the dichotomy of give these people an opportunity dichotomy it's it's listen i've i've over the years i've right now (laughs) it's you know the dichotomy of we want to give back but at what cost yeah you're right absolutely We, we want to enable the future but the quality can be tarnished and we want to have this. And this is the reason because you touched on it was, and I've talked to organizers and they have agreed with me is we will give 200 plus like pay, give all your, bring 50 people, let them pay 150, $200 each. And my event can actually stay afloat. It's the marketing. Yeah. So that's why a lot of people, when they ask me like, how, why do we have 40, 50 shows a night? It's also because, and I'm not saying everyone, but I've talked to organizers that told me if I did not have this, I would not have this event. Yep. It's called and inflation. <laughs> I mean, after COVID, oh, these landlords and business and property oh, managers, they, no, yeah. they could care less about the the feeling or how our community, because in reality, it is money-based. Unless you have your own stadium, your own event venue that yeah. you can throw these events, it's going to be hard to position yourself. But seeing you now in 2022, at least now before we get into our last segment called The Randoms, what do you see is happening for DJ Invincible in 2022 that you can speak of? In twenty in 2022? Yes. And currently um, this year, what's, what's on the horizon for you? I feel like I'm going to be... I'm bringing a lot. I'm, I'm able to bring with the with the um, collaboration I have with the Granada LA. We're bringing more artists now, um, music, music, musical artists, performances, um, uh, artists from out of town to come and perform and teach. Mm-hmm. So that's that's a that's a big deal because that never happened. I've been doing this event for five years, so it was um, hard to do that at first. But they gave me an opportunity, and they saw that I can do it. And um, the only team I have is the people in the background, which is the Granada LA and um, my my guy Marco and, and the whole community who continues to support it. 
So that's the only team I have is just myself, Marco, and and the Granada LA and the people who are willing to come in, the people at the front, the security, all those guys. So that's pretty much a big deal for me because that's my big event. That's my that's my that's my night. You know what I mean? So that happening and then me being able to travel out more and then my son's getting older. So I, I'm going to hope to bring him around more things too. Um, you know, just get him to see certain things, you know, see how, what dad does, you know, and um, the ins and outs of, you know, he's not that old yet. So he doesn't understand, but just, yeah, you know, see what's up, see what dad does. You know what I mean? I so, mean, I, I think that's something to behold because especially myself having a son in a few months, working in this industry it's a public industry you're always going to meet new people and for me honestly having my child in the future i want them to be a part of it but yeah. i want them to be gradual like you're, yeah. you're gonna see my son at a congress with the earmuffs and his maybe his little pad but he's he's still understanding what daddy does and the mm -hmm. filming aspect but you know, I, I think too the essence of like having a child of yours when you were a child in this kind of industry, and then actually having a child and having them kind of be ingratiated in it. That's a whole different feeling. And listen, man, I, I appreciate what you do because listen, we understand too. There are so many people that are no longer in this kind of business because hey, it, it's not easy. Not yeah. everybody can survive in it. Um, you know, and and honestly, before we get started, even Amesqua here says now some of these venues want five to ten thousand dollars for the bar. That is a big thing. I have to I've talked about and people don't get it when I say when you're doing an event at a bar or a lounge, the no. bar needs to get paid no Bro. matter what. Or a hotel. Yeah. Yeah. And most of the time they they're not going to play. They want one or two drink minimums. Yeah, because if not. We y'all not gonna be drinking faucet water in the fucking bathroom, or having a, a fucking bottle stuffed in your your pocket or your pants. Exactly. You know, <laughs> this is and you can't reach that five to ten thousand. Then you pay out of pocket if you can't reach that goal. That's what that's what it is. You know what I mean? Even at bars, clubs, you know, and and even at hotels, you know, you're you got to make at least twenty thousand this weekend. If you don't make twenty thousand, you make fifteen. You owe us five. You know what I mean? That's that's. That's the game of the game now. You know what I mean. So. And I be, I just, and I be seeing some of these promoters that they, they, they don't even look like they're enjoying themselves because they're already just looking at the attendance and just like, dressing. like even at this times I've asked them like, oh, how you doing? Oh, I can't talk right now. I can't talk right now. Um, yeah. just, and it's like, oh, I, I, the amount of respect and level of 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 respect I have for these promoters who throw events and organize events is like, I don't know how that feels. I do one night. That's it. So I commend them for continuing to do it. And if it doesn't work out, you know, I'm not like, ah, your events suck. That's why I know it's gone now. Nah, it's tough. It's, yeah. fuck, it's fucking hard, you know? So I commend anyone who has an, an, a weekend event and, this and, that, and anything like that. So Absolutely, man. But I think now it helps us transition to our last segment called The Randoms, uh -oh. which is about some questions I have here I've developed over our time talking that may deal with dance, but everything in between. So my first question to you, Vince, is if you could have one last meal right now, what would it be? Damn. One last meal. I would have to say my last meal would have to be um, a tomahawk Ooh. medium rare steak with mashed potatoes and broccoli, steamed broccoli. Okay. Okay. And is it is it like I feel like there's a restaurant that you're trying to give me or not? There's one that I just I I went to with 
with uh, a friend, two friends of mine. I forget what it was called, um, but it was a big old tomahawk steak. I didn't order it because it was like two hundred dollars. <laughs> so I was like, uh, maybe, maybe next time. You know what I mean? Okay, okay. Hey, I, I can enjoy myself a tomahawk steak. I don't know about the vegans though. I don't yeah. know they fit. <laughs> All yeah. right, next one here is: Can you give me an artist to look out for? As far as dance wise, yes. And I'll give you this: Give me a dance wise and DJ. So I will say there's an. Uh, he's, he's he goes by the name of Rocky Deluna. Yes, I've heard yeah. of Rocky. Um, there's a lot of other young cats, but he sticks out in my mind because I've been seeing him work. Like he puts out choreographies like crazy. Um, him for sure. I see him as coming up pretty big. Um, a lot of the artists that I see now are pretty much are pretty much established. Um, but he's one that I see. I mean, I would say Jarek too, but you know, Jarek just turned 15. So, you know, um Jarek Hernandez, he he's uh he's pretty established too, but I I mean he skyrockets anytime he touches the dance floor. So um I think Rocky, and then as far as DJ wise. There is a DJ I know. Um, he's not really in the scene too much, but when he does, he can he can get down. He goes by the name of Adric. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't had a lot of. Um, if I, I want to say this uh, real quick to the upcoming DJs who want to be DJs and stuff like that, please don't come into the scene thinking that remixes and your remixes are going to explode your name because. We have this thing. I don't know if it's in New York too, but in LA, we have DJs who multiple DJs. Yeah. Who, um, I respect the hustle. I respect the hustle. I respect the work. They want to be producers, and that's great. Now I know this could be the this could be another discussion for another day. So I'll just keep it quick and simple, and short. But we have a Soul Tricks. We have mo- many other um, remixers. So if you want to be a remixer, great. But I would take the time to learn how to really do it before just putting things out there yeah. and playing them at clubs because it makes the remixers that are doing their thing kind of look bad in a way. So DJs that I want to be on the lookout for, if I have a platform to say, is be the DJ that also plays originals and also mm-hmm. is is um, organic type shit is what I'm trying to say. Be organic. Do research. Go into... But shout the 2009s, 2010s. I'm not saying to play that your whole set, but damn, it feels good for people that are dancing to learn what they're dancing, not just hear of um, a uh, a Soul Tricks remix to Peppas. From- oh man! <laughs> oh, my favorite artist is Drake. He's a great bachata bachata artist, and it's like that's he is because he was on a track, but yeah. he's not a bachata artist. Yeah, you know. So respect to all the remixers and the people coming out. I respect your hustle. Do it, but invest in it as well. You know, invest in the guitars, invest in the percussion, mm-hmm. invest in certain things. And that's what a lot of people like Soul Tricks do. And that's why they get the level of where they're at, because it's it's time and effort. You can't just put a bachata beat from YouTube underneath your favorite song and then play it and then play it at the club. And the people are like, Nah, that's not fucking. Then, then you're known as that guy, that DJ, you know. So I want to be on the lookout for new DJs. I would love to bring you to Bachatopia and all these all these other events that I have connections to. But just be organic, be you, do research. Mm. I love it. I love it. All right, let's do a softball one. Actually, 
Give me your favorite shade of color. Oh, um, space gray. Oh, is that are you a Jordan fan? No, my okay, laptop, okay, that's why. Wait, when say that again. When I got my MacBook, they were like, What color do you want? You want uh, gray, space gray? And I was like, Space gray, what's that? <laughs> yeah, I know that one. Yeah, it's not everywhere. I'm looking for like shoes or something like, Do they have space gray color? I love space gray. Okay, I like that. All right, next one here. You, of course, as a DJ, Mr. DJ Invincible. I know I I talked to many DJs as well, and I want to see your answer to this one. What is a go-to song of yours as a DJ? At the moment, I would say um, Pinto Picasso. Okay. Um, As far as remixes go, I would have to say maybe one. um, Damn, there's so many remixes, but um, the ones that do remixes to where you're like, those you out of left field, for example, My Love by Justin Timberlake, I think DJ Dimensions. Oh, yes, yes, DJ Dimensions did that one. That one, things like that, and then also like um, In My Bed, I wrote Oh, yes. Those remixes that are like, damn, they got, they got production on those. Mm-hmm. Those are my go-tos, like depending on where I'm at. Traditional-wise, it can never go wrong. With a little Raulin, with a little Zacarias, you know, Luis Miguel Aramarque. You get there's there's so many to choose from, but those are like my go-to. Oh, you know what? I gotta get everybody on the floor. You know what? Oh yeah, you, you can't you you can't you can't mess up with that. I mean, you can if you try to remix, yeah. just don't remix it. Keep it yeah. <laughs> keep it original. All right. So this one here is another DJ question because I've asked many DJs and some of them say yes and some of them say hell no. All right. Do you take requests? Yes. Oh, absolutely. I take requests. Okay. And and is there in in terms of requests? Are we saying what is kind of your procedure on that? Is it like when you're at an event, you're in that mode, you have a kind of your set or music you're gonna play? Do you kind of go on the mic and say, "Hey, if anybody," or like, how do you do it? At a festival, no. Gotcha. At a festival, I'm I'm there to play for the people. It's not a club. Some people would okay. say it's like a club because you're playing for people. The difference is I'm not in your face. I'm away on the DJ booth playing songs for you. You can't come to the DJ booth because sometimes security won't let you. And to be like, hey, can you play this song? I'm at a festival. I only got an hour set, and then you got another DJ coming up. You know what I mean? For that reason, I don't take requests at a festival. I'll try. They'll be like, what song? And they'll show it to me. And I'll be like, ah, got you. All right, oh, cool. I'll take it. And then if I get it, I'll, I'll play it. Now at a club... See, I, I used to work in customer service before I was a DJ, before I did all this. I worked at Disneyland. I worked at all the things, you can, Macy's. I worked everything, retail, you know, you, you could think anything you can, I did it. Um, one big thing I learned about customer service is customer service is a big deal. Yes. My job, I'm blessed because I don't have to work eight hours and, and punch in and punch out. And shout out to everybody who does do that because that's work, you know what I mean? And I'm blessed to do what I do. That being said, you're going to have to take, you're going to have to do things that maybe people don't, that you don't want to do. And yeah. one of those things is what you need. Uh, can you play this song by this and that? Obviously, if it's like Elvis Crespo and a bachata now, I'm going to be like, oh, please don't. No, no. I love it. I love Elvis Crespo. Please. I, love, I love me some Elvis Crespo, but not, <laughs> you know? Yeah. The thing about this, and another big thing for DJs to know if you don't know already, and if I'm the one who's telling you this at 34 and you're older or younger, then, I'm, then hear me out. The person who requests a song for you isn't necessarily there because they want to bug the shit out of you or annoy you with their request. They may have had a shitty ass day at work. 
they may have just lost someone in their life. They might have just, you know, fought with a friend or a family member. Yeah. When they go to that club, there's a chance that one, two, three, five percent will come up to you and be like, hey, can you play this song by Romeo and um, Fermi, please? I'm never going to go, hell no, no. I'm going to yeah. say, I got you. And I'm going to say, I got you. And I'm going to play it. Maybe not next song, maybe not the other one, but I'm not going to forget. You know what I mean? I do forget sometimes. But for the most part, I will always try my best to play your song. I'll even go as far as getting your phone and taking a picture of the song you want so I have it in my memory. And I'll go back. I think somebody wanted this. Here's what I don't like. Mm -hmm. When you constantly come up to me and do this. Oh, Lord, Lord, Lord. You know? (laughs) Right there is like, okay, all right. So there's this guy on TikTok who said, I love when people do this. He's a DJ. I love when people do this. When you request a song for me and you constantly bug me about it, I'm going to play your song right away. But you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to play eight bars for you, and then I'm going to switch it to another song. Because you <laughs> You know what I mean? Yeah. Not only do I have to play for them, but I got to play a song for you. So give me a chance. I got you. Yes. And if not, come remind me in 10, 15 minutes. You know, I'll do it like that. But taking requests is a part of being a DJ. I'm not saying you have to take every request. But if you don't have it, be like, you know what? I'm going to look for it. And if I don't, I got you on the next one, you know, on next time or something like that. Just be respectful about it. Kill him with kindness. And I learned that from a very special person by the name of Jim Philippan, the owner and CEO of Stephen's Steakhouse. When I used to mm. work for him. I love it. I love it. All right. Next one here. Because you are an organizer, can you give a piece of advice for future organizers and what maybe they could expect? Um, if you are able to work in a place where you have a roof over you, you don't have to pay rent to a roof. All you have to do is provide a good event and you got a team backing you up. That is nothing for you to say, um, nah, I want everything. I want the door. I want the bar. I want it all. You know, if you're able to have an establishment that backs you up, yeah, then go for it. And if you can prove yourself and they're like, hey, what do you want to do? We got you. We'll cover some of it. You know, that's a great that's a great experience. A great deal. And um, also. Try your best not to feed in to negative crap, yeah. you know, like negative shit online. You know, I know I have my, my my share of doing it once every five years. But, you know, I try my best to stay out of all the drama because at the end of the day, if you're going to be an organizer, all lies on you. You know what I mean? Yeah. And some people don't know who I am, Bajdopia, but the ones who do are watching me and they'll either be like, oh, man, you know, if, if you talk a lot of shit online, this and that. You're going to start losing some people, you know what I mean? And those people tell other people, ah, oh, he's just a political motherfucker. He just goes on and rants and talks shit, this yeah. and that, blah, blah. So if you're going to be a future organizer, stick to yourself, be you, work, focus on what you're actually trying to organize, not everything else around. Okay. I love that. I love that. All right. Next one here. Let's take it back to the social scene. You've been in many events over the years. Give me a pet peeve of yours at a social when you are dancing with someone. Someone grabs you to dance, you're on the dance floor dancing an amazing song. What is something that's a huge pet peeve of yours? When the leaders don't look around, you know, when you're going to bring her back. <laughs> I'm not saying to be like, look all the way, but just kind of, you know, take a little peek. If you're going to do a one of those sensual-ass body yeah. moves, come back, you know, I'm dancing with so-and-so and you just you just stepped all over her shoe and now or her toe, and now her toe's bleeding, you know, because you didn't look. Be aware of your surroundings as a leader. It's not really the follow's job. 
it's a leader's job to per, um be aware of your surroundings. Now there are some followers that will be like, oh, and they'll hold you and plays you like, oh, yeah. Whatever. And I love that, you know what I mean? But for the most part, it should be the leader's job. But getting in the people's way and not knowing your boundary right there is, is a big deal for me. Okay. All right. Next one. If you aren't dancing, you are doing blank. If I'm not dancing, I'm either DJing. If I'm not DJing, then I am with my little man. And if I'm just hanging out at home, chilling, I'm playing some FIFA. Okay. So if you're playing FIFA, who's your go-to team? ESG. Uh, okay. I, I might, I might have to challenge you with some Real Madrid. I'll see. I'll see. We'll see okay. how that goes. Listen, okay. I play a little FIFA. I play you some want a little Benzema? Hey, absolutely, man. I love it. I love it. All right. Now it brings us to our second to last question here. And, and, and this one should be interesting. Can you give me one word to describe yourself? Uh, one word to describe myself would be Damn, is you is is oh man, that's tough. How do I fun? No, um uh one word to describe myself would be I wanna say maybe overcoming. You've overcame a lot over in your over, life. Overcame a lot. And I'm not saying like I had the shittiest childhood, this and that, just in general. You know what I mean? Uh oh. I think we lost you. There you are. Um can you hear me? Yes, yeah, so I think I'm just on my side. You can keep talking. Okay. So, yeah, I think overcoming because, I, you know, throughout being in the scene and everything like that, I've overcome a lot of obstacles as far as going, transitioning from being an instructor, teacher, performer, to a DJ, to now an MC. You know, I've overcome a lot of people like, why are you doing this and that, blah, blah, blah. You, you uh you're not you're not a dancer no more you just you just a dj now this and that so it's overcoming to hear that without being you know without getting hurt because it does hurt but at the same time i know who i am i know what i do and there's a reason why i keep working you know what i mean i i definitely agree and even anthony ramos here says invincible which will totally wrong, be a nice no. play <laughs> 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 and then even you know of course carlos says caring, caring. i mean because hey in, in this business it can be very cutthroat but realizing kind of where your baseline is and who you are as a person comes before who you are as an image. I think that is what's important because sometimes people get into that position. Like you said, you've gotten successful. People feel like, oh, you're different. Yeah. Well, I I'm going to be honest, if I may say, I, I think as you grow, you do act you different. Yeah. You have to change. I mean, you can't be the same 15, 16-year-old that you are at 34. Yeah. I mean, but in reality, too, I, I think as well in the position that you're in, still keeping that core value, still keeping those people around you that were there from the jump. Yeah, that's really essential because I I believe to those people are the ones that are going to balance you. Absolutely. And in this type of field, trust me, 10, 20 years from now, there will be another DJ Invincible. Yeah, there will be. But there will never be one with your name. And your look, because if I'm that, then off to lyric, my son, I might just hand it off to you. you can take hey, the hey. <laughs> I mean, even Anthony says here he has a picture of you hugging a teddy bear in Reno. Yeah, that was a joke back in the day when there was a bear holding up a sign, and at the time, Grizzly Dance Company was pretty big. So I was like, "Look, it's Grizzly Dance Company." And anyway, that's oh I my god. I mean, so and at least before we get to our last question, is have you been able to kind of? look back at 
everything you've been a part of and like have you is there any like really key lessons before we get to our last question this is kind of a a, a plus b in a sense is throughout all of your experiences what have been some of like the biggest lessons you've learned i feel like the biggest lessons i've learned have have come from the experience of being in this scene this scene is great but it's also kind of toxic too you know yeah. what I mean? and I can't really say what you should and shouldn't do because you kind of have to go through it yes. to learn whether you belong or you don't. You know what I mean? So I can't be like, well, don't drink too much alcohol because festivals are full of alcohol. You know, like don't don't hook up because that's bad for you and your image. You got to learn your image first. Yeah. You got to know who you are first. You know what I mean? And you know, I've I've had my share of f fuck ups and all that. So. I, I, I feel like I've become a better person because of it. You know what I mean? So just go through the motions, but just don't get arrested. You know? Like <laughs> <laughs> I mean, hey, hey, you know what? Because hey, a record, a record is not easy to take off. Don't get in a fight at the festival. Don't do, you know, just be you and go through the experiences. And if it's bad, learn from it. And if it's good, keep doing it, you know? Okay, I love that. I love that. And now it brings us to our last question here. And I feel like this question here kind of sums up this entire conversation in full. So, you know, Vince, going from your earlier days, and if I have to say your earlier days, what I mean is if we're going to go from the Vince of this time. Don't you. <laughs> and to the, to the Vince of uh, now. My question to you is, man, how would you like to be remembered? Um, a hundred pounds less. <laughs> <laughs> um, how would I like to be remembered? Um, as the DJ that all, as a person in the scene, I would like to be remembered as the person who, who, who smiled when he saw you, who, who always tried his best to. To, to make sure you had a good experience where you were at, try to, if there was any issues, try to do them quietly and then enjoy the rest of your time. Or, and um, I had really good music. Um, <laughs> and when I performed, I think I left it all on the stage. And um, to know that with conversations with people as beautiful as yourself, who are well-spoken and, and able to have conversations with people, that they take that and just remember that you know he was a good he was a good speaker you know like he would just he would just talk and be real and not be um and and the real version of Johnny Bravo yeah <laughs> hey I mean yo a mescua comes up with these just hits yeah, but he's pretty witty he's pretty witty absolutely man but like for me honestly being able to just talk to you what what I see beyond any public image is a human being that has grown. And, and realizing me and you have been in this industry for many years. And what you spoke about was honesty and on the topic of toxicity. Because I think people have to understand this. No matter how many festivals, parties, socials you danced at for hours, we are still real world people living in the real world. Absolutely. No matter if we are in a Granada, LA for three to four hours, once you step outside, you're still in the real world. Once you step inside, you're dealing with real world people. Yeah. And I think the more and more we have these type of conversations, that's where the building comes in. Because in reality, me and you have been in the same vicinities, 
but not had that actual one-on-one time because in our world, it's like you're going and going. Unless you're in that private hotel room with everybody and the friends, right. you're not getting these moments. So yeah. for me, I'd, I'd never take this for granted because most of all, I want people here to understand is that you know, you are Vince Torres before you are DJ Invincible, before you are this figure that people are passionate and love to go to your events and work with you. Yeah. You are you are a father. You are a family man. You are someone's son, someone's, you know, friend. And yeah. for me, that's more important than anything. And again, I thank you for doing this segment. And now, and now it kind of brings us to our conclusion. And for me, again, talking to you from start to finish, um, I see someone not just of courage, not just of caring, but a person that understands their value, understands their worth, yeah. but realizes there's so much more in the horizon. And, you know, for me, I'm excited to see what you have going in the future over here in New York. I'm always watching, always looking at things, you know, and for me again, you know, even me reaching out to you, just seeing how you're doing on things. That's how I am. Because right. again, if you didn't have this, if you didn't have all the success, for me, it would be the same way because, again, it's like we all go through things. And, you know, for me, at least, lastly, I would really love to know if you had um, any last few words for myself in the audience. But also, you got to give us some contact info on how people can reach you and check out when's the next event. So um, I think <clears throat> I think. Um... What was the first part you said again? The first part? No, saying like any last few words, you know, for myself and the audience, at least before. Oh, we yeah. So I guess I would say I appreciate, I appreciate everyone listening. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm DJ Invincible, AKA Vince Torres. And, um, you know, being on something like this gets the show. I can actually speak about, you know, real things that happen within the scene and stuff like that. And it, it takes, it takes a big voice to talk about things like this because all this cancel culture shit and stuff like that, you know? So the fact that you're able to do this is, is a big deal. And the way you do it too, it's very professional. It's very to the point and it's honest. And that's one thing. That's one thing I feel you'll be success, successful about too, because you already have been with all your other videos you've done. I've watched you and you know, the way you talked and everybody. And, and it's just, it's, it's a, it, being on the mic and talking is a big, is a big deal. Yeah. So, um, so thank you to everybody who was listening. Thank you to the Granada LA. Thank you to Steven. Thank you to the whole community for just um, continued support. And um, I hope to continue to be here if God allows it to just keep playing for you and, you know, being funny and, um, and uh, dancing and DJing and talking to people like you, man. Thank you, man. Definitely you, appreciate it. You could follow me on, uh, on TikTok. Uh, it's uh, at Invincible Official. Um, I N V I N C E A B L E, and then on Instagram, Invincible Official, and then um, Facebook, Vince Torres, and um, yeah, man, that's about it. Man, honestly, I, again, Vince, I mean, thank you. Listen, I appreciate it because again, here, this is this is that space. Because for me, I tell people the conversations that I'm having, many of us have had. Yeah, we just do it a little more private, right. but this is where we bring it to the forefront constructively because Absolutely. people can just say whatever they want but if you don't have context things get lost just like you said earlier was that when having issues maybe with people online you have to watch what you say yeah because that public is watching yeah you know and, and at the end of the day it's about the maturity and progression of one and right. it's okay to make mistakes but it's also really how you learn from them learning and i'm flawed i make mistakes i'm learning you know 
you know, and, and for me, again, seeing just the success of your event that you're having, I look forward to it. I definitely here at the podcast, we support you guys and we'll definitely be sharing your work from uh, days to come and years to come. And listen, guys, thank you again for tuning in thank to the live discussions with Diamond Podcast. I'm Diamond here with the one and only Vince Torres, DJ Invincible with an E, with the, right? With the, <laughs> with the E with the E in the middle. And then Abel, A-B-L-E. Yeah. Invincible. Yeah. Invincible. So I like, <laughs> I love it, man. I'll be a little bit different. Absolutely. But thank you guys for tuning in. Uh, we will be having another episode coming up this Saturday with the one and only Carlos Zafire Hernandez from Zafire. Hey, Listen, man, we got to make it hot here, guys. Everyone take care. Have a great night. Stay 